the doctor is in beyond the prescription. Welcome to the Doctors in Podcast. We are here to talk about health topics with healthcare students and the relevance to all of us. We are Ben Martin and Nathan Seberg. We are second year students at the University of Iowa. We have created this podcast to provide free information on well being and health and highlight many of the resources available to students here at the University of Iowa. Today, we are our own guests for the first time. We have just published an article in the Daily Island about the pros and cons of some of the fad diets of today. We will be discussing those diets in more detail here, and then also talking about other nutritional advice. I want to preface all of our advice today by saying that we sh- you should always speak with a dietitian or doctor before making any major changes to your diet, especially if you have specific dietary restrictions or on medication that may interact with certain foods or nutrients. We are by no means diet specialists, and so you should definitely refer to a diet specialist if you are thinking about change. So we are kind of inspired to write this article because, you know, new year, new diet. Um, it's so often that people say that this is the time they're going to make change. Um, and so many people kind of think of just diets in terms of weight loss. But we kind of want to show you that diets can really mean anything. Any change that you have could be for weight loss. It could be for weight gain. It could be for athletic performance. Um, and we're just going to kind of go in depth a little more on some of these trending diets. So the first kind of fad diet that we highlighted that we want to talk about is the ketogenic diet or eating keto. So the whole idea around this is the idea of using ketones or ketone bodies for fuel. So typically our body runs, everything in our body runs on glucose and the breakdown of it. So we get our nutrients in, we break it down into glucose, we use that to fuel our body. We can also fuel our body using fatty acids to break those down and produce ketones. So with the ketogenic diet, we consume more foods that are high in these ketones and we break them down and we use them to fuel our body. So in the ketogenic diet, we can either get this fat that we then break down to amino acids and then into ketones from either our diet or our own fat stores. So when it comes from our diet, people usually change their diet pretty drastically for this diet and specifically cut out the vast majority of carbohydrates from their diet, which includes foods like bread, juice, fruits, pasta, milk. Um, those are all ca- very carb-rich foods. Instead, they substitute those foods for very high foods in protein and fats. So um, food products are very high in these um, high-fat vegetables and legumes are all kind of staples of the ketogenic diet. So as I said, they very much cut down on carbohydrates and have very high proteins and fats so that the body is running on these ketones. So this is where the ketones come from the diet, but you can also break down your own fats and that's kind of where the weight loss idea of this diet comes from is that people break down the own fats of their body to make these ketones and the combination really relies on ketones for energy throughout the day. So this diet has been shown and kind of gained some traction in fad diets um, with helping with weight loss mostly like I talked about and I'll talk about kind of why it's been shown to help with weight loss but also to treat treat diseases like epilepsy, type 2 diabetes, and cancer. So it's been shown to help with weight loss through a couple proposed mechanisms. So 
First, breaking these proteins and fats down into ketones is very inefficient energy-wise in your body, so it takes a lot of energy to break them down into these nutrients. And so this is using a lot of calories to convert this nutrient. So carbs are very efficient in turning carbs straight into energy. And so this inefficiency really burns some of those calories that would otherwise be putting on as fat. Second reason people have thought that the ketogenic diet can really help lead to weight loss is that fats and proteins create this sense of something called satiety in the body. So satiety means that you feel much fuller and much longer for eating a certain amount of food. So proteins and fats generally make you feel more full than carbohydrates and less likely to eat again very soon. And so this feeling of fullness also just leads to people eating less. So those are kind of the two reasons that people generally attribute weight loss to the ketogenic diet. For other aspects that people might take on a ketogenic diet, um, there's some evidence that shows that it can be beneficial for people suffering from type 2 diabetes. Obviously, in type 2 diabetes, we want to limit our carbohydrate intake and our excess sugar intake. So if we're already consuming a diet that has completely cut out carbs, this will be beneficial. Um, and we also require much less insulin in our body than to deal with the less glucose. In terms of epilepsy, um, there's some studies that show that it can help reduce excitotoxicity or the excessive firing of neurons in the brain. And then there's also some evidence that it can be beneficial for certain types of cancer when paired with the proper medical treatment. Cancer cells love glucose. That's their preferred energy source. So by ridding the body of glucose and ridding these cancer cells of what they want to consume, we can help the medical treatment fight them off. Again, if you are suffering from any of these medical conditions, it's really imperative that you have a conversation with your uh, specialty care provider, or your primary care provider about what switching to one of these diets, like a ketogenic diet, might look like for you. So kind of in spite of all these beneficial things that we just talked about, um, there's kind of some arguments people make against the ketogenic diet and why there might be healthier diets to look at as well for someone just looking for weight loss or just looking for health goals. So the ketogenic diet, because it limits carbohydrates so much, um, you sometimes have trouble not lacking key nutrients gotten from fruits, which are very high in carbohydrates, and other carbohydrate-rich foods, which can be really healthy for you. And finally, kind of some of the arguments against this is that there are other good ways to lose weight. So just a caloric restriction has often been argued to be uh, more effective for losing weight or choosing a diet with more balanced diet that doesn't rely so heavily on these fats and proteins, which have been indicated in other diseases such as heart disease and um, metabolic diseases uh, if they're not done properly, that uh, all those fats and saturated fatty acids that you're consuming can really build up in arteries and your heart. So intermittent fasting really focuses on the timing of when we eat compared to the amount or the composition. So the theory is that by limiting the hours in which we eat, we are requiring the body to use other fuel sources during that time to provide fuel for our body, burning the excess carbohydrates, the excess glucose, and into our fat source for energy as we go throughout the day. A lot of people will pair this with exercise in a term called fasted cardio or fasted exercise, which 
in theory is designed to burn fat at a higher rate because that's the readily available energy source. Intermittent fasting has been shown to have some improvements on cognitive function. Um, you are going to see a demonstrated weight loss if you are, again, restricting the overall calories that you're consuming. The issue with intermittent fasting is you could go for eight hours without eating, but if you're eating 4,000 calories at the outside of that window, the weight loss will probably not happen, unfortunately. This also allows for more freedom of food choices. Sometimes the most difficult part of a diet is just finding food that you can safely eat and be comfortable because food is such a comfort object for us. We like to eat what we like to eat. So with intermittent fasting, you aren't restricted on your diet by what you can consume, but more the timing. However, this craving for food, often that we would get throughout the day if we're not used to this intermittent fasting period, can take two weeks to a month to adjust to sometimes. And so that can really be difficult. You're going to have to drink a lot of water during the day. Um, caffeine is an appetite suppressant, so that can help if you have a cup of coffee going. All right, so the next diet we'll talk about um, after intermittent fasting is the Mediterranean diet. So this diet has kind of caught some traction in uh, recent years because countries bordering uh, the Mediterranean Sea were studied in a, a rather large heart um, disease study, and it was found that these countries had a lot lower rates of heart disease um, than in the United States. So because of this, people started looking at the diet and how this um, certain diet eaten in these Mediterranean countries might um, also uh, benefit those in the United States uh, with that specific diet and reduce rates of heart disease. So foods common to this area uh, that have been indicated in this diet now include whole grains, plant-based foods, uh, legumes, nuts, and seeds. So these are kind of the staples of this diet along with olive oil is usually the main source of added fat to this diet. Some of the ideas in this diet include that unsaturated fats such as monounsaturated and polyunsaturated are much healthier types of fats to consume. So this is pretty established research and I kind of got the source from the Mayo, Mayo Clinic's website on saturated and unsaturated fats. So this diet really relies on this idea. So legumes, nuts, and plant-based foods primarily contain these unsaturated fats where a lot of the animal products that we eat contain a lot of saturated fats and are less indicated in this diet and kind of thought to contribute to heart disease. So what's made this diet hard to achieve in the American diet is that many of the foods eaten in this diet are not very common to the classic American diet. So there's an emphasis on taking out like white flour, which is in many American products, and taking pretty much taking out um, all processed foods, which are very common. So anything packaged or processed is very often eliminated from this diet. And it more emphasizes fresh foods and fish and stuff like that, which is a lot harder to meal prep for, so people have a complaint with that. This diet is also significantly more expensive than other diets, I would say, just based on prices at the supermarket currently for good fish and for good healthy bottles of olive oil. If you're consuming that, your food bill will most likely go up, unfortunately, um, which is one consideration that kind of got to bring in is what is my financial um, impact of this diet. And so the last, last kind of change that we talked about 
Um, it's kind of the vegetarian or vegan style. I can talk a little bit about vegetarianism. I think it's good to cut out meat at times. There isn't necessarily a lot of evidence that huge amounts of meat are good for us. Everything is good in its own amount in a good, perfect balance. Animal products have been shown to be the main source of dietary cholesterol in our diets. Often implicated in heart disease is the big red meat. You know, the steak and potatoes-esque diet is pretty high in those cholesterols. And many essential foods of animal origin, like even a lot of pork, some milk, um, it's kind of been shown to be non-essential that we can get macronutrients proteins and everything else from plant sources, from other sources that are probably a little bit more heart healthy and just overall body conscious. Yeah, I think a lot of people worry about, um, especially with children, making sure their children get all the proper nutrients that they need. And so over the years, there's been a lot of push by a lot of you know corporations and it's been pretty well established uh, for like the got milk um, mm -hmm. campaign that a lot of people have heard of or that um, you need pork in your yeah. breakfast and a lot of these um, claims that you need milk for your children to have strong bones and you need milk um, in older age to avoid osteoporosis and you need pork in your breakfast to get uh, you know adequate nutrients have really been shown to not be true and that we can achieve plenty of calcium from a plant-based diet or a diet that at least doesn't include um, animal products all the time and we get plenty of protein from plant-based nuts and legumes and foods like that where we really don't need to consume a large amount of meat and milk and animal products to get those nutrients. That being said, um, there are some nutrients in vegetarian and especially vegan diet that are hard to come by. Very commonly missed nutrients include vitamin B12, iron, zinc, and omega-3 fatty acids. So. Um, in diets like these, you do have to be conscious of what kind of vitamins you might be missing out on. But a lot of the main nutrients that we include in our diet aren't so hard to come by in a vegetarian diet as it was once. So I hope that what you've kind of gathered from our article and just this conversation is that there are a bunch of diets out there, a bunch of fad diets, and a lot of them are going to be beneficial to your health, um, your longevity and kind of that overall reduction in chronic diseases that we're seeing such an impact in our society, heart disease, diabetes, even hypertension. It's not really required that you go all into one of these diets. I think that the most important thing that you understand is that you need to take properties of healthy eating um, from different diets from all around and kind of apply them into your everyday diet. Mm -hmm. What we want to say is that the most important thing of any dietary change is sustainability. A small change, whether that's eating more fresh fruits and fresh vegetables on a daily basis and cutting out that refined sugar, that refined flour. Um, if you can do that every day and make it last for the whole year, that's going to be significantly better than saying, hey, I'm going to cut out all processed foods and it only lasts until February. You should really think about loading your plate with colorful things. So usually uh, the rule of thumb I've heard is the outside of the grocery store usually has things that are less processed. So that's usually where we're gonna find uh, the fruits and the vegetables and the meat and uh, fish and anything that really doesn't have a package with a whole bunch of ingredients on it. Um, it's also important to think about how many calories you're taking in. So 
Uh, there's lots of simple calorie calculators. We have one embedded in our article that we published that can give you a good baseline estimate of how many calories you should be taking in in a day. Lastly, the exercise uh, can be paired with any of these diets and is beneficial to all of them. Uh, so exercise helps with uh, gastric motility, it can help you digest your food, it can help you take in those nutrients better, and it is one of the best aids to weight loss. A lot of people uh, are afraid of to exercise when they lose weight and have been told that you know exercising will just make you hungrier, and, and it can do that, and that is one fear that people have with exercise and dieting, but with a good amount of exercise and a good amount of caloric restriction, that's usually the best way to healthily lose weight. Yeah. If you're a University of Iowa student, um, the University of Iowa Student Wellness offers free nutritional counseling to students. Um, one of their dietitians can meet with you online or in person to kind of talk about um, whether you have any nutritional intolerances, how you can eat more healthy, um, even kind of figuring out how to shop as a student. Um, I know that can be really difficult. You come to college and all of a sudden you are on your own for budgeting and you have mm -hmm. to figure out where I can get all these foods. Um, if you're not a student, um, there's resources online. We've tagged a lot of them in our article just to general information about these different diets. You can do some research on your own. Um, we do want to say that a lot of places can kind of push for their fad diet and push some bad research that say this is the best over everyone else. So if you are doing your own research, make sure to come at it from an unbiased perspective and then, like Ben said, we really want to emphasize that exercise is important for so many reasons, for our whole body health, for longevity, everything that a dietary change is going to do for you, increasing your exercise output is only going to increase that benefit.